Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mercy Road. It's Mother's Day, which is a phenomenal day if you're a mom or want to be a mom. Or here's the good news: we all have a mom, uh, which is which is good news. So don't forget today to uh, reach out to your mom. But we're so glad to be uh, with you ten today, and everyone else joining us online. Obviously, things have uh, loosened up a little bit as far as quarantine rules, and so here at Mercy Road, we're doing our best to make things feel a little bit normal, but also be very honoring and careful uh, with all the precautions. So uh, we've, uh, we've got 10 of the luckiest people in the world that get to be in here today, and we try not to feel awkward staring at them. But it's so good to be with you guys. Happy Mother's Day. Pastor Darren Earlywine here with my wonderful wife, Julie. And uh, we've done this a couple times here at Mercy Road, spoken together, and uh, it's, gone, it's gone well. And so uh, it's Mother's Day, and, uh, and I was asked to speak, but I thought, how about we let a woman speak to women on Mother's Day, even though men can celebrate Mother's Day as well. But I'm stoked, Julie, to be able to speak with you today. And I think this is going to be a great day and probably, I would guess, a Mother's Day we're never going to forget. Good morning, Mercy Road. It's good to be here today, especially with my friends down front that I've got an opportunity to get to know a little bit today. You know, I will say, I think that we could all say that today is truly, if you're a mom or you have a mom, like Darren said, in any way, shape or form, as you look at this day, it's different than any other Mother's Day that we've yet to celebrate. Many of you today are away from your mom because of the rules that are in place to protect her. Um, some of you are in the comfort of your own living room. Hopefully you're still in your pajamas and you're still riding strong with not brushing your hair or wearing makeup. But I hope today that as a mom you feel appreciated and loved and just celebrated today, no matter where you are, what's going on. But you know, as we've walked through this season, um, over the past seven or eight weeks. You know, we, you're in the comfort of your home, you've been around safe and, and you've tried to protect yourself, but there's been a lot about this that's been super uncomfortable for me. And it's not because I, I don't love my family, it's not because I haven't enjoyed being home, it's not from any of those things. It's just what's happened from being a mom during this season basically from just living during this season that as I have faced a lot of weariness. I have become weary as a mom, as I've carried on the burdens of worrying and walking through this with my kids, with my husband, with my family, with my friends, knowing what this season has placed on us. And what I want to look at today is something that God has shown me through all of this weary and worry season of my life. This dark weeks that we've sort of lived under. And I've been carrying a lot of burdens for my kids. Um, I don't wanna say it's something you can only understand if you're a mom, but when it comes directly to my children, it's something that is very specific to a mom. To have watched my boys walk through this season of disappointment, of change, of uncertainty. And I haven't done it perfect, and that's sort of what I wanna get into today. And my heartbeat, and usually in myself, is that I wanna do everything so perfect. I wanna be the perfect mom, I wanna to try to be the perfect wife, I wanna be the perfect person at my job, I wanna be the perfect friend. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to be perfect, and I did that in the very beginning of this. I was gonna be absolutely perfect. Well, I made it about two weeks. I made it about two weeks and you guys literally full on, the wheels came off. And 
I'm a type six Enneagram. I'm a very prepared person. My friends joke with me. I mean, when this started, I had two weeks worth of food, like they said to have. I had more than two weeks worth of toilet paper when you live with a bunch of boys in your house. I had all the elderberry and vitamins and protein shakes with green smoothies ready to be made to keep my gang healthy and happy and safe. And then it hit me. It hit me that there was nothing about this season that could be perfect. And the wheels came off. I spent one entire day, you guys, this is no joke, in our room alone. Now I was obsessively organizing bathroom closets, bathroom drawers, my closet, bedside drawers, but I locked the door and I closed myself in because I was so terrified and ashamed of my kids seeing me weary, weak. I couldn't do it anymore. And as I was walking through this season, I, got, I came out at the end of the day and my middle son said to me, mom, we haven't even seen you all day. Where have you even been? And I realized in that moment, I was running away from them seeing the weary and weakness that was in me right then. I didn't want them to see those parts because I take pride in always doing everything so perfect. So what I realized is that in that moment in my room, I was identifying all of the mistaken responses and quick-tempered behaviors I'd had towards my kids or towards Darren. I was realizing the very distinctive parenting errors that we made as we walked through this, whether in our choices or in our response. And as I was sitting there in my room that day, I heard God say to me, Julie, it's time for you to lead well, not lead perfect. Stop, lead well and not perfect. And that has been my heartbeat for the last six weeks of this time in my life. And that's my heartbeat for all of us this morning, whether you're a mom or not, is that we'll learn to lead well and not always perfect. That's my heartbeat for all of our future today. As we walk with Jesus, that we begin to understand that he wants us to lead well and not always perfect. Oh, hold on. You got more. <laughs> I have more. I'm sorry, you guys. This is a little different. Yes. Yeah, so, well, he doesn't want us to lead well. And one of the things that Darren is really good at about writing sermons is I'll get these thoughts and these compassionate ideas and these heartbeats that come to me in the moments of tears and worship. And then I need him to help me like bring structure to them. So we were talking through this this week and he was reminding me of the parable of the talents. And I never looked at it this way until he said this to me as we were discussing it. You know, he gave the five talents were given to the servant. He went and he took them out and he brought back five. The one that was given two, he went, he did his job perfectly. He brought back two more. He did everything that was expected of him. He did it so perfectly. He did exactly what it was meant to be. That was what was supposed to be done. And the word says in Matthew 25, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Did you hear what he says? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, my personality is I don't really like well done. I like perfect. I don't want well done. I want perfect. I want it to be exactly the way it's supposed to be. I want it to be above and beyond. As a matter of fact, in the note right here in the sermon that Darren was typing in when I was talking, he says, oh, I want pretty, pretty, perfect, princess, perfect. He, he wrote that. I did not write that in the sermon today. I, but that that's, was, I think that's, that's what I thought you had said, and I was just transcribing that you mm -hmm. had said that part. But the truth of it is there's a lot of truth in that. I want to be 
perfect. I want to do everything just right. I want an A plus. I want to be a summa cum laude Christian mom. I want to be a summa cum laude person at my job. I want to be a summa cum laude friend. I want to be a summa cum laude Jesus follower, but I'm really not that great at that most of the time. And I've realized as when you hear that passage of scripture, he just says, well done. I'm like, wait a minute. He did everything. He did everything he was supposed to do. And that's all he got. But the reality is about all that is that Jesus knows that well done is really all I'm capable of doing. And well done is faithfulness. Doing things well is faithfulness. And that is good enough. Well done means faithfulness, not perfect. Done, not perfectly done is just performance. We can't do it all perfect. Our performance can't be that way. But what he wants to say is well done is us being faithful to him. Yeah, and as we put this thought together, it reminded me of, um, of growing up. But in the stream uh, of Christianity that I grew up in, um, it wasn't always completely like overtly said, but there was a theological undertone that there was going to be a point in your following Jesus where you would have this second move of grace in your life and you would be what they would call entirely sanctified, which would mean not that you would, that you couldn't sin, but that you didn't, that you never never chose to knowingly sin. And as a kid, well, forget as a kid, as a 42-year-old adult, like I still have not received that entire sanctification where I never knowingly sin. I sin often. And the struggle was that, that, that thought was, and, you know, when you hear scriptures like be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, and then being told that at some point that's possible for you, every day you're not there was just a day of heaping greater levels of shame and of pain and of performance failure upon me. And what we want to dig in today is the fact that, that, that through these stories and many other scriptures we want to share, that's not what Jesus is saying, is unless you're absolutely perfect, there's no appreciation for it. Unless you're completely perfect, he doesn't love you. That's not what he's saying. And that's why I love in this passage is that he says, hey, well done. And I wonder if we get to the end of this, if, if that's what we hear from God, if we hear, hey, listen, I was paying attention during quarantine and uh, yeah, wasn't, wasn't your best work ever wasn't perfect but they can receive the grace and the truth of god for him to say you know what well done my good and faithful and that faithfulness part is about perseverance even when we're not perfect because here's how we're going to split this this morning up the rest of our time that we have together is is if we look at this definition doing something well means this it means doing it in a good or satisfactory way a good or satisfactory way. You have to, I want you guys just to think about is, am I okay if I, if I would say, hey, how is your connection with Jesus? Are you okay with him saying, you know, I'm okay if you're doing a good and satisfactory way, that there is actually good in you, that he has made you good. Not perfect, not always great, but you're good. Perfect means this, having all the required or desirable elements, qualities, or characteristics as good as it, possi- as it is possible to be. We're not shooting for perfect. We're shooting from good, for good. And that's a great thing. So here's what we want to look at this morning. Is, is here's the statement. It's for us to be able to lead well in these times of trouble. And not, not even these times of trouble, but, but in, in anything in life. For us to be able to lead well, what we have to be able to do is this. We have to be able to lean into our weaknesses 
and lean into our worry. That's where we're going to go for the rest of the morning is that when we want to lead well with Jesus, to, to say that we, we, have, we have done well and been faithful, it's through a process of leaning that allows us to lead. And when we lean into something, what we're going to define here in a minute, Julie's going to unpack, is it means not running away from the things that we're failing at. When we come face to face with a weakness, we don't turn around and, and run from shame and hide from it. We go, you know what? I'm going to lean into this because if I can lean well, I can level up. And we were talking on the way over here this morning about our boys. They've, they've probably played more Fortnite than it's probably advisable for most children during quarantine. If you have teenage kids or like we do, or even younger kids, uh, they're probably doing a hand, uh, quite a bit of gaming. And, um, and here's the deal. Was what I've noticed with my boys is when they don't do something well, they find a weakness in their Fortnite play. What I'll notice is right after they screw up or get killed or something happens or they don't know how to build something right, is they're watching YouTube videos all the time of some of the world's best Fortnite players playing the game Fortnite. And it's super annoying to me because there's a couple of guys that have really thick English accents. One guy's named like Allie and what's the other guy's name? Ninja or something. And now, and now one of my sons walks around introducing, like basically doing the Allie, I think is his name, the Allie intro to all the YouTube videos he watches. So all the time, just in our house, you hear, hey, what's up guys, it's Allie here. And I'm like, what are you doing, right? But he's doing Fortnite intros from, from YouTube. And here's why. Because when he's not actually doing well, he's not running away from what he's doing, he's actually leaning into the weakness in his game learning wisdom and technique from others so he can actually begin to lead in the game. Now, this is dumb. This is Fortnite. It doesn't really matter. But we want to dive in today is, can we get there right now in our relationship with Jesus? Can we get there with our relationship with our spouse, with our friends, with our parents, with our kids? To say, when I'm facing weakness and when I face worry, I'm going to actually lean in so I can lead well. Why don't you unpack this, Jules? When we think about our weaknesses, sometimes it's just, it's such a difficult place to sit in. And one of the things throughout the past time is that we've all been coexisting super close more than normal, you know, and we've not left our home. We were on a stay-at-home order and we tried our best to honor it. We were around each other. And what I realized is in that is that when I'm struggling or when I'm in a place of weakness and I'm having a difficult time processing my emotions in a normal, typical environment, I can pull away from my children. I can even pull away from Darren and I have a space to go off by myself and I can sort of squash those weaknesses away and not let anyone see them because there's space in my life. Well, right now in a season that God has used to teach me is I've been in a place where I've not been able to hide a lot of the weaknesses. I've not been able to put them away to the point where the kids can't see them all because I've had all of these emotions and I've had all of these fears and I've had all of these worries and I've had a lot of sadness through all of this that I don't really want them to see because I don't want them to see me weak. I want to think, them to think, I have a strong mom. I have a strong woman. She's a strong woman. She's a strong leader. She's a strong career woman. She is a strong friend. Like, I want them to see me in the light of strength. I'd never want them to see me in the light of weakness. I don't really want anyone ever to see me in the light of weakness. I don't enjoy that feeling of feeling not where I need to be or not doing um, what I'm supposed to. And so as I was walking through this weakness and, and starting to just lean into it and, and try to ask God, like, why is this so difficult for me to let them see this? 
he kept saying to me, there's so much beauty in them seeing the weakness in you, Julie, because they stop seeing you and they start to see me. They stop seeing all the power that comes from having this really strong mom. And they start to see the power that comes from having a really strong God. When you take a look here in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11, it says, the extraordinary level of the revelations I've received is no reason for anyone to exalt me. For this is why a thorn in my flesh was given to me, the adversary's messenger sent to harass me, keeping me from becoming arrogant. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to relieve me of this, but he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses for when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted for when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. You see, I don't really wanna lean into my weakness. It doesn't feel very good. I wanna run away from it. I wanna run from that weakness. I wanna hide. I wanna hide everyone in my life from my weaknesses. I want to make sure that no one sees them. But when I begin to run away, I run alone. I run without my community of believers who help carry me. And I never get anywhere because I'm running without Jesus. So when I run away, I run alone. And when I lean in, I walk right beside Jesus. And as I started to see through this season, the more I would step in to walk closer to him, the more I was able to lead well. When I lean in, I walk with Jesus into a portal of God's power. That's what the word says right there. For my weakness becomes a portal of God's power. I am able to be who he wants me to be when I lean into that weakness and allow him to take over. He becomes a portal of power for me to become who I'm supposed to be for him. So we move on and we start to think as we lean into this, I started feeling more wisdom. I started feeling more clarity as I leaned into these negative feelings, the weaknesses, and I started to let my kids see them. They saw me cry, which I don't like to do. I don't like to let Darren see me cry. I really don't like to let anyone see me cry if you ask around to the people who really know me. I don't like that weakness. But I started to lean into it and I came in and just wanted to become who God wanted me. And he kept saying, lead well, Julie, lead well. And it became a more of a sense of being transparent, walking with him. Proverbs 31, 26 says, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. As I've walked in this, I've gained so much wisdom of seeing the kind of mom, friend, and woman I'm really supposed to be that doesn't always look perfect, but is sure trying to do really well. Yeah, so if we wanna wrap this up in a thought is that we have to lean into weakness so that we can lead well with wisdom. And wisdom is, is a powerful thing. And I think one of the things about wisdom is I think we want to believe the myth that we get wisdom from God, like somehow he gives us like this magical download. Like we ask for wisdom and poof, he just drops this thing called wisdom in our brain, but it's not a magic trick. 
The great thing about the Word of God is it tells us this. Here's the great thing is that we need wisdom. We see these weaknesses, so we need to understand how we walk in wisdom, right? And he says this in James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, which we lack wisdom, that's why we see these weaknesses and the mistakes come again and again and again. Wisdom, right, is this. The quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. The quality of being wise. So if we're going to lean into our weakness, it will allow us to actually lead well with wisdom. But to get that, it's the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. And we lack that. And I wish it could be that simple that we say, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I wish it was a magic download, but I'm finding it's not. I'm finding that I have to actually begin to get, and I love this phrase, I say it, I think if I say it every sermon I preach at Mercy Road, is that I have to begin to become actually compassionately curious about my weaknesses if I'm ever going to lead well with wisdom. And that's a process of stepping into weakness and asking God to bring me into the understanding of his grace and truth mixed together. The beautiful thing about when it says when Jesus came, he came full of grace and truth, meaning that when we have weakness, he meets us with grace. He doesn't beat us up. He's compassionate. He says, yeah, you know what? You did that again, didn't you? Why don't we take a look at that? Let's get curious about what's happening in this weakness. Let's not run away from it. Let's lean into it. Because if we can get curious, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually bring revelation. I'm actually going to, to bring truth about you and about me. And if you'll embrace that truth, what you'll begin to do is live a life of wisdom. And I, I think one of the struggles with this is, um, for me at least, is sometimes we, we, we confuse learning to walk with wisdom and, and, and growth and get discouraged when it just feels like failure. Because if, if I say I'm failing, I want to give up. If I say I'm growing, now I'm inspired. And the illustration that, that blew my mind many, many years ago, somebody told me, is they said, life and growing in wisdom, leaning into this weakness so you can lead well with wisdom, is much like circling the same pillar over and over again in life. And I would say that most of us, we have a pillar of weakness in our life. Henry and I want to talk about the three core lies we believe of human beings. They're this. Either we believe I am what others think of me, I am what I have, or I am what I can accomplish. One of those lies is probably the core pillar of weakness in your life. You're trying to please others, you're trying to accomplish things, or you're trying to, accumulate, you're trying to accomplish accomplishments, or you're trying to accumulate things. One of these is probably the way that the enemy attacks you most often. And so this is this pillar of weakness in the middle of your life. And, and, and the struggle can be is that, is that however old you are, for me, I'm 42. So I've made 42 circles around this pillar of weakness in my life. And there's been many a times when I'm coming back around the corner or not the corner, coming back around the other side of the pillar. And I'm thinking it's the same weakness. Like, is God even working in my life? Am I ever really growing? Am I ever going to change? And I want to get away from that weakness, not lean into it, not get curious, not embrace anything, but run because I'm discouraged. And that may be where you've been during this quarantine season. But this, this, this changed it for me. When somebody said, here's the deal. is the process of growing in Christ and learning to lead with wisdom. You may not move around. What happens is at 10 years old, I was circling about this high up. 
Here was my perspective on my weakness. And then when I made another 10 circles around who I'm, I'm growing to become, now I'm about this high, maybe at age 20, circling around the same core weakness. But now what's happened, you see, is my perspective has changed. I now have a new level of wisdom when it has to do with this weakness. Now I'm 42 years old. Now I'm up here somewhere. Now I'm, I'm still discouraged sometimes that I'm still circling some of the same weaknesses, but I embrace them and I walk forward with them with a completely different perspective of wisdom. I'm not the same as I was here at 10, but I'm at a place where, God, where Jesus is still saying, hey, you know what, well done my good and faithful servant. You're growing in wisdom. You're growing in perspective. Lean into your weaknesses so you can lead well with wisdom. I've always said that if my middle name wasn't Lynn, which my middle name is Lynn, my middle name would be Worry. Um, I don't know if any of you are, like I said earlier, I was Enneagram 6. If you know anything about the Enneagram, I highly encourage you to take a look at it. But I, my whole life, I feel like worry has been the thing that I wish I could set a fire and get rid of, but it has been such a part of my inner core. And the season that we're in right now, it, it creates such a space for worry. And um, as a mom, I think of all the things and the burdens and the fears and the worries I've carried for my kids through this, or the worries I've watched friends carry for their businesses hoping that they can open back up and get started, um, worry for family members that have been ill and wanting them to be better. Just the avenue that this space has created in our lives for, for worry. And uh, you know, I've, I've talked to so many different moms in so many different scenarios. My sister-in-law delivered a baby during the middle of this quarantine and had trouble getting them to gain weight. And I would talk to her on the phone and see the intense worry that she carried through all of this, you know? and. And the worry that I felt the night when little Noxer started crying out of nowhere, and he is not one to cry. If you know my child, my youngest, he is one tough cookie, and tears are not something he does unless he just doesn't get his way. And he lays down at night and he can't fall asleep because he's worried. So then I worry, because he doesn't understand why he can't go to school. He doesn't understand why he can't see his friends. He doesn't understand what's gonna happen next. And so then I carry that worry for him because my heart breaks at his sadness. And then I think of my beautiful dear friend who has three boys also, who happened to be stages ahead of my three boys. Her son graduated in December. He graduated early from high school, preparing to go to the Marines. He left in February for Marine boot camp, and she hasn't seen him since. They planned 13 weeks. She was gonna get to watch him graduate from Marine boot camp. She was gonna get to hug his neck, tell him she loves him face to face. And you know what? Life changed that for her. And I watched her walk through it and surround herself with the people she needed when she got the call that he can't come back home for two weeks. He has to go straight to his assignment and she doesn't know what's coming. I could see the worry. I could hear it in her voice. This has been a season for worry for so many. And God keeps saying to me, Julie, you need to lean. Lean into this worry and get compassionately curious about it. 
get compassionately curious about it because then I'm going to give you the grace that you need to lay it down. You guys, I've had this Bible right here since 1996, and I don't think you can really see it on the TV very well today, but it's real dirty right here in the same exact spot. It's a real dirty fingerprint spot right here in Matthew 6. Matthew 6 says, and I'm going to read it straight from the same place I've read it from so many times. But this is what it says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. It's not, isn't life more important than food? The body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Get compassionately curious about why you're worried. Don't squash it down. Don't hide from the emotions that you feel. Let God speak to you through them. Become compassionately curious like Darren talked about and sit in those feelings and allow him to give you the grace. The grace to know that when you lean into that worry and you lean into that fear and you lean into that uncertainty, he is there. He is the one that will walk us through to the other side of anything that we face. I'm gonna do my very best to lead well and not perfect. And as I do that, I'm able to move out of that worry and into a heart of worship. And what I found through this season, after the wheels came off and everything seemed overwhelming and my heart broke for things that my sons didn't get to do over the past eight weeks that they had worked a long time to get to, or when I think about all those moms who have seniors, who are missing moments. My heart thinks of them. Families that are separated by sickness, all that is at the heartbeat of being a mom today. I think about those things and I worry, but then I lean, I lean into Jesus. And what I started to do, you guys, is I would pop in my AirPods and I would start walking. And my friends that I'm in group text with have probably laughed at me because I've gone on so many Jesus walks. So many were in, in the middle of the worry. I leaned into worship. And through leaning into the worship and relying on that, I've been able to lead. I've been able to see things that God wants me to see. I've been able to hear him tell me what he needs from me in a way I've never have before. 
I was mad at times when I walked with God. I was sad at times when I walked with God. I was angry at times when I walked with God and I begged him to fix it all. But what he did in all of this leaning, when I was weary and when I was worried, all he did was reach down and say, I got it. I've got this, Julie. I've got your kids. I've got your husband. I've got your job. I've got your parents. I'm the one who's gonna get you to the other side of this unbelievably difficult, weak and weary season. Because I will provide you with my wisdom as long as you always Give me your worship. He is so unbelievably good to us. And I'm thankful today that on the other side of a season where I felt like I looked icky and yucky and ugly and weak to my kids, I really think that when they look back only because of Jesus, they will see a mom who is weak and who is weary, but she's strong and she's wise because she has a Jesus that is with her. And that is my heartbeat and prayer for you today. If you don't know him, find him. If you don't live with him leading your life, give him that opportunity. For I know today he is my greatest strength. Let's pray. God, you are so good. I thank you that in all of my weakness, in all the ways that I've been weary, you have been all that I needed. You are enough for us, God, and I pray that as we proceed forward in our future, in all the years and days, and all that is ahead for us, I pray, God, that we will lean into you. We'll lean into your wisdom and we will honor you with our worship. And when the weariness and the worry feels like it's more than we can take, we will give it to you and we will trust you. You are a really good God and we love you. And as we live out our lives, may people see you live in us. In your name we pray, amen.